Welcome to our podcast, Code Cafeteria. We are Lara, Miguel, and Kai, and we talk about developer life, tech, games, and other things. This is episode one, and today we talk about developer communities. How are you doing today? So for us, it's the evening, and that means that it's been a long day already. But I think it's we are quite okay. It's Friday, so tomorrow there's no work. <laughs> it's Saturday. Cool. And I obviously live in the future. So for me, it's Saturday morning and I just rolled out of bed to <laughs> record this podcast with you. <laughs> cool. So today we said we're going to talk about developer communities. And I think it's a very interesting topic because it kind of resonates with each of us in a very specific way. And also we kind of met through being part of developer communities, right? So maybe we should start with trying to define what actually makes a community or what kind of different types of communities are there? I definitely think that a developer community is, um, is defined by a common technology that a group of users are using and they get together to discuss this specific technology. I agree. I think it's about people that share an interest and they are curious about the way other people are doing things. They are running into troubles. And so they are looking for solutions or better ways of doing things. So they gather themselves. That sounds pretty much like Stack Overflow, what you're defining there, Lara, right? Like, I mean, you're looking for a problem and you look for a solution. So you end up on some website and you basically copy and paste some code, right? Is that a community already? No, it's not about a very specific problem like, uh, oh, my code doesn't work, but more like, oh, we have this issue about, I don't know, um, organization or how to deal with introducing a new language, things that are not easy to answer. So you are always looking for experiences from other people that are more complex. It's more complex than just a question on a stack overflow, right? Um, people that share their experiences through many other channels and, and you want to understand how they do things or how they solve certain um, problems, uh, organizational, I don't know, um, project structure, I don't know. It's more complex, I'd say, than Stack Overflow question. Okay. So, oh, go ahead, Miguel. No, you make fun of a Stack Overflow, but I think that the Stack Overflow is also a developer community in this sense. It's a, I, it's I a different kind. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't really making fun of Stack Overflow, but like, you know, if we focus on that solving a problem question, uh, solving a problem that you have as a question basically, and you know, talking about that problem with other people, it immediately starts to sound like Stack Overflow. And yes, it's a community. I would probably say it's, you know, it has certain properties that other communities don't have in a good way, but in also, also in bad ways. Um, but it's definitely a community. It's a very loosely connected online community from my point of view. Um, the thing is, getting in contact with others, right? Is having more people there. And um, you cannot have um, a community when you don't have 
some sort of communication between users, between people. And this can be both online or can be also offline in real person, right? So there are definitely multiple angles you could use to look at and classify communities. I mean, there is the technology aspect that we mentioned, like people share an interest in a certain technology. Then there is the online and offline that Miguel just mentioned. But is there more to it? I mean, what about technologies or what about technology independent communities? Do they, I mean, they clearly exist, right? But how relevant are those for our life and for our lives as developers and tech people? By technology independent, what do you mean? Like focused on people, for example? Yeah, correct. Focused on people in, in whatever way. Yeah. So, for example, there's uh, there are groups that are focused on organizing events for people that so they can share ideas between them, but they are not focused on technologies themselves, like um, women's egg makers or GDGs. In general, they are focused on helping people grow. Yes, they, for example, are sponsored and organized um, in the end, like deeply in the core by Google. But those are community-driven communities, I'd say, that are not specific for certain technologies. So it depends on, on the people they gather. Yeah, the, the networking part is, is, is really important here. And that could give you, for example, new job opportunities. That's something that a developer community can provide to you. And as well, if you are an, an employer, if you are a company that is hiring, going to developer communities is going to help you find those developers that you need for your company. Then that other ways you will have to reach, for example, very expensive recruiters to find them. Attending a, a meetup or maybe hosting a meetup in your in your company is the perfect way to say, hey, I'm hiring. And then you have 50 or 60 developers in front of you that maybe one of them will be interested. Maybe you find them that way. And that's definitely cheaper than going through recruiters. That's really an interesting aspect because I think that's a quite underrated benefit of hosting meetups and hosting community events. I'm, I've, I'm always surprised how, how few people actually do that. You know, how few people would host a meetup and volunteer to provide a space and maybe some food and some, some drinks and beverages um, when they're actually actively looking for developers and when they actively want to grow their team, because it seems to be such an easy thing to do. And I noticed that in Berlin, um, that seems to happen way more often than here in, in my area. So Berlin seems to be better in terms of making use of these opportunities or Berlin, Berlin employers. Whereas here in Wellington, um, I rarely ever see that happening. Um, in Berlin, there are lots and lots and lots of meetup events about everything so i think it's quite common like to to have groups that don't have a place like a 
fixed local where they meet and they host events and so they are always looking for places to to have the events so and normally our companies that sponsor that by let allow them to host the meetup in their big areas i don't know and as miguel said like buying some buying food and drinks for people is way cheaper than a recruiter and you have people happy they are learning they are in your office building looking at your office place and thinking huh i could picture myself working here and it's way different than with a recruiter that obviously assumes that your office building and your workspace is kind of a cool space that is inviting to people, right? <laughs> Because not all offices are, to be fair. No, we've seen many. <laughs> <laughs> But in the end, it's about the people. And uh, sometimes when a company sponsors, there's also developers that work in that company that are in that event and you talk to them. And so in the end, I think At least for me personally, what's more attractive is always the people and looking how happy they are, what they are doing and all that stuff. Okay. Um, so we talked about technologies, people and like online versus local communities. What about another angle looking at it, like looking at it from a product or vendor point of view? And that is kind of related to technologies, I think. But there are kind of well-defined Google, Microsoft, Adobe, you know, whatever company you want to name, communities as well, right? That sometimes depend on technologies, but sometimes are broader than a specific platform or product. Yes, yes. And I think that it's also interesting to see who is managing this community because you have communities that are 100% managed by the company who is um, doing, um, let's say, the technology provider in this case. And you can see them as a kind of like a developer relations, but with a group of people and not just one on one. And there are others that try to be more independent and they will just throw you money to say, hey, if you organize a, a meetup, I'm gonna buy the things for you because you are talking about my technology, you're provi you're promoting my product, but you are the one organizing this. I am not the one organizing this. And that's that's kind of an interesting thing. I will say mm -hmm. that the way Google works is the second way, at least in my experience from the GDG, is the GDG stands for the Google Developer Groups. And these groups are, at least in Germany, they are 100% independent in the sense that you can pretty much do whatever you want, but also at the same time, if you want to keep being a GDG, you have to, you, you need to do certain things. You have to do a certain group of meetups, a certain group of people, etc. And at the same time, you can get money to organize your events. If you need to rent a place, for example, because you want to do something on Saturday, maybe you will get the money to do that. That's pretty much how GDG works here in New Zealand as well. It's a community-led organization with support from Google. And like you said, Miguel, there are some rules around that. So I think you have to do at least six meetups a year and one every three months, something like that, basically. But if you're interested in actually building a local community, 
that's a reasonably straightforward criteria to stick to anyway, that you want to do something regularly if you can. You both were or are organizers, co-organizers on GDGs and GDG groups. Um, so I, I'm not and I'm not sure what I'm talking about, but I'd say that um, Google doesn't give you money that often for, for things. That It's not like they are always paying for everything. But it's something that some people think, like you are being paid by Google and all that stuff. But what I'm trying to say is that for Google, I think the GDGs is the cheapest marketing strategy, marketing way they have to um, get to people and and how, how to say? Promote? Promote, yes. And yeah, go, go on. Yeah, saying that it's way cheaper than having conferences uh, about specific things. Um, and in this way, you are using people that are interested in some technologies. So they organize themselves and organize events and attract other people. So in the end, it's marketing, but it's way cheaper for them. Yeah, I, I would basically agree. Like any vendor involved community is basically a marketing tool it doesn't matter if it's google or microsoft or adobe or i don't know like oracle or you know any other company and it's an efficient way to market to developers or to get your product or your brand out to developers and you're right like you know with with regards to gdg specifically i mean the way how it works here in asia pacific is basically um, we can ask for funding for certain things like for example, for DevFest, or if we want to do like a special event. But the day-to-day meetups, we usually don't get funding from Google. So you rely on local companies to provide a venue. And sometimes, you know, in some instances, these local companies will provide food, etc., etc. But that doesn't come from Google. And the other thing that is important to know and to realize is you're not paid by Google for doing that, obviously. You're not a Google employee, you're not a Google contractor, freelancer, whatever. You know, and some people might think that or might prefer to represent it that way, but you're not. You're totally independent from Google. I basically do my own thing and Google supports us in doing that when it makes sense for them, basically. Absolutely. So you and I have been uh, GDGs, but Lara is also, she belongs to a community which is called the GDE, which stands for Google Developer Expert. And that could be also a developer community in some sense. Do you think, Lara? The GDEs are people that are recognized by the community uh, and by Google because of their contributions to the community about certain technologies that um, belong to Google, that Google technologies. So Google support us uh, with travel and accommodation when we are speaking in conferences about the technologies that we are experts in. And this is the way they have to have people con- um, sharing their knowledge and ex- spreading the word about certain technologies they are experts in and um, really interested interested in. What was the question again? <laughs> the, the question is, so do you think 
those this is also a developer community the gde is also a developer community like the other open communities that we have been part of also are i personally think it is it's a tricky question because you can see it as a way of um, promoting or marketing but in the end is people from the community giving back to the community right so it's community that opens a really interesting question as well like you know when you look at software architecture for example as a wider thing people always talk about certain architectures for their apps or backend systems and i would like to argue that regardless if you make an active choice of building your stuff in a certain way you always have an architecture it might be an undocumented really badly done architecture in a worst case scenario but there is one there's an underlying architecture of everything you do and is the same principle applicable for communities even if as a developer you choose not to i don't know like go to meetups and go to conferences and engage in slack communities you're still a member of a community of people using this technology, aren't you? So there is always that underlying aspect of, even if you go to a forum website once in your life to look up a thing, you're kind of member of the community, aren't you? I think there's a big difference between the people who contribute to a community in some way and the people who are just looking from, from the outside or lurking, let's say, you know, that in, in internet slang, you will say. And there's, there's a big difference. Even just attending a conference, or sorry, or attending a meetup, not even a conference, but just attending a meetup, yeah, it's already a way of participation, which already builds community. You are there, you are present, you are maybe having a drink, maybe you chat with someone, that's already contributing to the community. When you are just searching things online and searching on a forum, what was the solution to this problem, I don't think you are really contributing to the community, except if you reply to the to the last person saying, hey, this worked for me, what I had to do is to change this thing. Then you are contributing to the community. So I definitely encourage everyone who is part of a community to contribute to the community because that's what the makes the community, not just looking at it from the outside. That's a very nice way to describe it, yes. So now that we've talked about, you know, what makes a community and different types of communities maybe we should have a quick chat about what communities we are part of or which communities we identify with in some way and maybe the first good well sorry let me try that again <laughs> um, so now that we've talked about what makes a community and what different types of communities there are maybe now is a good time to start having a chat about what communities we are part of and what we identify with. And I think the best way to get started is if we maybe just going around the table or a virtual table and each of us basically just says how they got started with community in that sense or co contributing to a community and which communities you've been part of over the last few years or during the developer life. So I can start. I started 
going to meetups organized by Women Tech Makers, which is a group um, from Google that organizes events tech focused so on on women to bring women into tech. And I, I, I started going to those meetups because I was curious about tech and I felt like, well, if there are only women, I'm going to feel more comfortable. So I started going there. Um, after that, I started going to more meetups organized by them, focused on Android, and that's how I started learning Android development. And I started also attending meetups um, in Berlin on, on Android specifically. And what else? After that, after Android, I also started going to flooded events because I'm also interested in Flutter. And that's it, I'd say. So for you, it's mainly mobile development around Android and Flutter. And a lot of it is conferences and local meetups. Oh, yeah. So, yes. Um, in the beginning, I was going more to meetups because it's closer to home. On But as I was learning and learning and learning i needed to well i wanted to attend more um, events uh, bigger events where i could learn more like conferences and i started going to android conferences android focused conferences um so i'd say that i'm in the android community for sure that's where i kind of started and that's where i am but i'm also in the flutter community I will say that for the first eight years of my professional career, I, I've never been interested in developer communities at all. I, I didn't even know that they existed, to be honest, just like that. And then I attended a DevFest in Berlin. I, which is a DevFest is like a small local um, community-driven um, conference that happens in, in, in cities. I went to one day first and then I was really interested in, in, in hearing the experiences from people and what they were sharing and so that kind of motivated me to start attending the local Android meetup here in Berlin and that changed everything because I started attending this meetup at the same time, I got in contact with the organizers. They were organizing an Android study jam to teach new developers. And then I said, oh, I can collaborate with you. Now I have free time because I was switching jobs. So I had plenty of time. I said, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to help you. I would like to help you. Then I became one of the organizers of that Android study jam for about four years or three years already helping every year we do an edition and then we help to organize this um, this study jam for beginners that that i finished that kind of la last year so for a year already i've not been helping to organize meetups i'm sad about that but also at the same time it's a lot of work it's a lot of staying in the evenings um, after work for organizing things and I got a, a moment in my life that I could not do it anymore, but I'm really thankful for the opportunity. That was really, really nice. 
That is really interesting. I didn't know that you got into community that late, basically, in your developer career, that you, you know, spent like eight or nine years not really being aware of community. That's really interesting. I have to say, for me, community was always there. And I started professional software development in the late 90s with Java and then a technology called called Fusion, which was at the time owned by Macromedia and then later by Alaya. And I always was involved with the Java user groups and the ColdFusion user groups. And one of the things, particularly in the ColdFusion community at the time, um, was that the local meetup, and that was a time before meetup as a platform, the the local meetup basically was kind of a stammtisch. I don't know if you know that German word. I don't even know what an appropriate English word for that is, to be honest. It's basically you meet in a pub, you sit around the table and you drink, drink beer and talk about stuff. But there were no presentations and no actual learning kind of thing. And that really annoyed me. And then that was my driver to be involved with them and actually change the dynamics of the group a little bit to also have talks and actually learn some things more than just sitting around and drinking beer together, essentially. <laughs> and from there, I moved on to Adobe user groups when Adobe bought Macromedia. But at some point, Adobe pretty much got rid of all the developer technologies, like, you know, Flash and Flex, and they were not interested anymore in that kind of stuff. And I moved on to web development and then randomly ended up with Android and got involved with the Android and GDG communities via that way, basically, that passageway. But I really struggle to see myself not doing anything that involves community in some way, whatever that is. I mean, right now it's being a co-organizer of the local GDG here and obviously being involved with community through online communities and conferences and stuff like that. But I don't really know if I could do nothing <laughs> on that end because it's actually such an interesting thing to do and you more or less, most of the time, meet really interesting people. But Guy, you didn't mention another community that I know at least you were part of, which is the Nintendo community. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Yeah. You are. <laughs> I am. I mean, I'm I'm a full-on Nintendo gamer basically. I don't own a PlayStation or like an Xbox or anything like that. I know I I've been playing Nintendo my whole life from Game Boy on. There is not that much of a dedicated Nintendo community though. I mean, there are meetups um which are called Street Pass meetups or they used to be called Street Pass meetups because the Nintendo 3DS, the last handheld console, had um, that feature where you could connect with other people in passing by and in just walking around. So people would meet up and basically put their 3DS on a pile to get them to sync and to get them to swap data and swap avatars and stuff like that. But that has changed quite a bit since the Nintendo Switch came out because that feature doesn't exist anymore. And obviously it's more about actually gaming and so there is less point of having a meetup together, like a person-to-person meetup, because you play online against each other, really, or with each other, instead of sitting together necessarily. Well, and we also organized something like this a two years ago. We were hosting 
<laughs> we were playing Mario Kart together with lots of people from the Android community. So we kind of created the Android Mario Kart Nintendo Switch community. Yes, we did. Am I right? Pretty much. <laughs> and that worked for a while and it was actually fun, but I think it kind of has really worn off with time. You know, it started at a conference where we we're just sitting in the hallway and then we wanted to replicate that experience with our group of friends online. We did that for a while and we got a few other people involved, to be fair, but it was never massive. I think the largest we had was like 10, 12, 15 people at some stage, right? Yes. I mean, we're not talking about... But it was so fun. It was really cool. It yeah, we, so should, <laughs> we should maybe try to revive that. I miss that. it. Okay, so we talked about some of the communities. So we had Android, Flutter, um, Adobe and CFML, the GDGs. Lara talked already about the GDE program, which is also a community, slightly different targeted though. And we talked about our Nintendo gaming community aspects. Um, I'd like to move on to have a bit of a chat about how those communities function. Because I always feel they are kind of a reflection of life in a lot of ways. In each community, there are people you get along with great and you make friends. There might be other people you don't get along with. There might be the typical problem of any large group you find in society being reflected in these communities. Is that kind of your impression as well, Lara and Miguel? I think that, that you see a big difference with communities that have some sort of moderation versus communities that are wild in this sense. And, and you can see that either on online and offline communities, right? Those communities that you see organizers that take care that everyone feels included make a big difference to those who say, oh, don't get offended about this or ah, they are just joking blah, blah, blah. It makes a huge difference. And I think there's a lot of people who are deciding I'm not going to this community because of this. I'm not going to this community because of this. And also I'm not using this technology because of that, you know, um, for me, for example, having a safe space means a lot. Um, I, I was lucky with, um, the groups I've been into because um, they all have code of conduct and they have people in the organization that care of cares about um, people feeling safe feeling good and not tolerating things that are toxic but I've seen other communities um, that are not this way and I've seen I've seen um, comments and 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 bad behaviors that I will not tolerate to anyone. And that for me, it's, it, it makes me feel like I don't, I don't belong to, to that. And, and I don't want to engage with them. I don't want to know about that technology specifically because of the community, right? If I want to learn from someone, I'm going to learn from those people. Is, is Twitter a community in your point of view? Um, I'd say that communities use Twitter, yes, for engaging. For example, the Android community uses Twitter a lot. I use it for Twitter and Flutter and for 
more private things. So it's a tool, but it's not there is not a mm -hmm. Twitter community as such, correct? That's how we would classify it. It's a tool, yes, uh, like social media where you can share your blog posts and things that you are doing. Um, so it's a it's it's a tool, as you said, yes. Because when you were saying like you are looking for a safe space and you appreciate a safe space where you can express your opinions and you know like have a good experience kind of Twitter is the anti-thesis to that pretty much, right? Like Twitter is kind of the wild west of a wider community setup. Totally. I, I've been late, lately thinking a lot about that um, and I've been engaging less on Twitter and thinking twice what I'm posting because uh, whenever I post something, I get comments from people that are free uh, to reply, but sometimes they engage in a way um, that is not positive. So I think, yes, um, it can be also toxic because there's no code of conduct. People are just free to say whatever they want and there's no way of moderating that. But then there are other really well-moderated and well-managed online communities for certain technologies, right? Like, and I find quite often they are represented as private Slack groups where you can only get in by invitation sometimes. So they kind of vet people, or at least if they have the group going, there is a clear code of conduct and a strong moderation and people are being told when they don't comply with some of these rules. I think that there is a difference between a group of friends and a professional community. And a lot of people don't see this difference especially when you have been with these other people a long time, you feel of them like friends and you will make jokes that you will make as friends, but you don't think that this is actually a professional community, right? We are talking about our work and our line of work, no? And, and people next to us reading you and asking questions, willing to participate, they are here for work. They are here because they need this to progress in their careers for help because they want to share etc and also i think that people need to be more conscient about this right about you are in a professional community you are not only in a group you can be with your friends but you have you need to have this context always i also think there's probably a difference between talking in a public slack channel in in such a community and talking to maybe two or three friends that you know on a personal level in a private chat or in a private DM conversation, obviously, right? Like one is more like a chat between friends and the other one is like a professional discussion where you engage with other people and where it's a reasonable expectation that people don't behave like dicks. We are maybe getting too negative now and because we all suffer from this and, and, and I would like to shift a little bit the, the distension and talk about the good things because in the end, communities also bring lots of good things. Totally, um, yeah. What are some of the good things? For example, Mikael mentioned before networking, mm -hmm. you meet people and 
interested in the same technologies as you are people that are working maybe in your same city or different cities whatever and and this will uh, bring you some benefits in the future maybe because you know people that are working and maybe the moment they are looking for someone they would think about you or the other way around what about the next level after that which is basically making friends yes of course <laughs> it's um i think that it played a big role for us when we moved to berlin we we don't know anyone here of course and the android community the woman tech makers community flutter community etc have helped us meet a lot of people who we now enjoy spending our free time with them also not only um professionally but also let's have dinner and all these kind of things maybe let's have drinks all this and and that helped us a lot also and we chat with them about things that have nothing to do with work our our struggles here in the city all these kind of things so it really helped us as immigrants here in, in berlin to to go to these developer communities and to meet people And also, it's also very interesting that the tech communities in Berlin are very, um, they have a lot of immigrants in them, like us. So they run in English. You can ask around and pretty much everyone moved to Berlin from somewhere else. And that makes, uh, that helps a lot into the integration into the city, I will say. And let's maybe try to close this episode with um, going through listeners' options to find and join communities. So if anyone is listening to this, which I hope that people will do, and you want to join a community or you want to find a place where other people working with the same technology or similar interests hang out, what can you do? Meetup.com is probably the easiest place. It's We are not fans of the platform. To be honest, um, I think that that could be an open solution, but so far is the is a place to go, right? You type your city, you type the type of technology or the type of community you are interested into, and you can join the meetups. It's just as easy as that. If you don't like to hang out like often with people um, in meetups settings, you can um, go to conferences search for conferences, focus on the technologies you like and spend one to three days in a conference learning about the technology and meeting people. And I found that it's a really good thing to do, like to, because normally we don't have a lot of time, like in a day to day, uh, we don't have time to learn the, the new things. So having a full day, one to two days of topics and what's new and blah blah enriches you a lot and and you learn a lot in a in a short period of time how would you join a slack community for example or i mean or any chat community what what else how, how do you get started with that because slack communities are usually just slack workspaces so someone needs to provide you an invitation i guess yeah so I'm going to give one example and, and for example, the Flutter community in Reddit, they have a Discord server 
and you can find the invite link in the Reddit, the subreddit for Flutter. That will be a way that you can get invited there because you can invite yourself, you have the link. But in other cases where there is a private community, that means that you need to know someone in this private community to invite you. That can be way more complicated. Probably Googling about which communities can I join about this topic, online communities, is probably a good start. I know that some Slack communities that are open Slack communities provide like also a sign up or an invitation link, usually through Heroku app. So someone sets up a little Heroku widget that you can then click and kind of sign yourself up for that Slack workspace that is actually a community behind the Slack workspace. That's basically how the Android uh, community in Berlin is um, organizing the, the, their Slack. They also have a Slack group that you can join. It's, it's public to everyone, but you have, well, you need the invitation. Um, but basically you can find it in their Meetup events uh, on meetup.com. You can see the link and, and that's the way many communities work. Um, I've been part of the Berlin JS Slack group when I was learning web development before Android. I know there's the women tech makers, there, there are Firebase, Slacks. Many, many groups have Slacks in a way to communicate new events, in a way to have people from the same city to, to have a place to talk about the, the technologies after the meetups. I know. I think it, it, it can be easy to find. So we have a few things then, right? We have Slack groups, we have um, Discord servers, we have Reddit, which is interesting. Um, so there are topic-specific Reddits, obviously, on a lot of things, and they might form their own community even. Um, then there are podcasts, I think, um, that also have a community of people not just doing them, but also... Um, also a community of listeners, I guess. And podcasts are reasonably easy to find these days, I suppose, by going to your favorite podcast app and just look for podcasts on the topic that you're interested in. I hope we provided a few useful ideas on how you could join or find even a community if you're listening to this podcast. So there are various avenues for you to explore from here. And I think we also really hope that you got some interesting insights from our experiences with communities in the past and in the present. And always keep in mind that communities are a reflection of life. You will find good things in communities, but be aware of the negative things in communities as well. And always make sure that you enjoy what you're doing and that you get a benefit from being involved with the community of your choice. Thanks a lot for listening and I hope you enjoy it. See you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. <laughs>